Well, here we are for part two of, of Jane Eyre. Part two. Part two, covering part two of the 2006 BBC miniseries Jane Eyre, starring Ruth Wilson and Toby Stevens. Yes. So depending on where you're watching this, this is either episode two or episode three and four. Right. Yes. <laughs> Hulu, it's just part two. HBO Max, episodes three and four. Tight. So we find Jane. She's back at the Reeds, yeah? Yes. Mrs. Reed has... Uh, <clears throat> Dying Mrs. Reed. Has called her home. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh they really le- i love that they lean into um making uh mrs reed look just decrepit oh my god she's horrifying in that scene they like they like puffed out her lips and like dried her out like it's it's yeah. really wild yeah. um and this is uh lady Celise yes it is thrones. i was just gonna say yeah crazy crazy um Poor thing. And I love that they have her, they make her, like, way less aware of her surroundings and, like, what's going on in this version than they do in other versions. Mm-hmm. That, like, a lot of the time, it's, like, it's either, like, a pretty quick um, conversation between her and Jane where she reveals, oh, you know, you have this uncle who want, has always wanted to meet you, but I told him you died because I was angry with you for being like a little kid and being mean to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but in this one, it's like, she goes in and out of like knowing, like even knowing that Jane is there. Yeah. Um, and it shows her real, like her devastation over the suicide of her son. Yeah. And like her personal struggles with like, he was spending all of her money and, and she was just trying to like, he was always like her little darling. And like, she was just sort of feeding his like gambling addictions and drinking addictions. And he like wasted his whole fortune. And it's kind of, you get, you get more of a shade of like where she's coming from in this version than in other versions. And I really, I really enjoy that. Yeah. 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 But then we also have to re-meet these bitches. Wait, wait, which bitches? The, the Reeds? The Reed daughters. Like, oh, we God. have this really intense scene of, like, one of the Reed daughters just reading, pardon the pun, her sister and being like, you're fat, you're lazy, you're incompetent, I fucking <laughs> hate you, and I cannot wait for our mom to die because you are dead to me, too. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what is this, my family? Like, <laughs> um, Well, it's interesting the parallel that gets drawn between the Reed siblings and the Rivers siblings. Oh, my God. And, like, those sisters who like each other. But then right. the brothers still fucking creep. I don't know. <laughs> Just a different kind. They, it, it is pretty clear. Well, and I love that. I mean, we'll get to the, we'll get to the Rivers. But I do love that it's genuinely one of them is Emily and one of them is Anne. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I never picked up on that. Oh, just because, like, I think it's... I don't... I can't remember if it's Diana or the other one, but one of them is, like... And they lean hard into it in the um, uh, the 2011 version. Yeah. And it's, like, one yeah, of them totally. is, like, super-duper into, like, 
like death and like gothic novels basically and the other one is like come on like let's be a little bit more sensible than that (laughs) and like and they're both like really really sweet to her and you're Mm -hmm. like oh that's Anne and then the crazy one is Emily tight (laughs) (laughs) oh but Emily has my heart I know no I it's just I'm an Emily girl the interests are are oh no completely completely (laughs) yeah yeah I love it but they yeah. no, you're totally right that the uh, the reeds are a really great foil to the um, for the rivers, and just yeah. like that that family unit just fell apart because they're all so self interested and um, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she she learns she has an uncle who wants to give her money when he dies. <laughs> So that's, you always got to love when that happens. Totally. Um, but Mrs. Reed, being the real bitch she is, kept that from Jane. <laughs> Jealous bitches. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta hand it to her. <laughs> I mean, um, that is a pretty, that's a pretty tight move. To, I know. To like, be like, I don't like her. I'm going to tell her only living relative she's dead. <laughs> Like that's petty. Savage. That is petty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Fuck. <laughs> so then with that information, Jane trots on back to Thornfield. And we get the obligatory carriage wheels through a puddle shot. <laughs> that is just you can't not have one. Always. It was so funny. Always. No, my mom pointed that out to me, and I was just like, "That is hysterical that yeah. you like that that you like picked up on that because it is like once I thought about it, I was like, oh, one million percent, that's in everything." Yeah, anything. Period. It's like some kind of like music, like vada 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 splash splash. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, it's wet there. <laughs> it's dirty. <laughs> it's not like today. Like yes. <laughs> absolutely there's this great scene between blanche and rochester that i wish had been like a 10 minute scene of him actually like talking to her like a person and being like what is it you want like this is kind of your last chance to be like to sort of if you have a heart like show it to me i don't know i would have loved for there to be a moment where she just sort of gets she gets lost and tongue-tied and and you almost see it happen and then it's like they cut to this like you know jane's coming home there's wheels through a puddle and and blanche is already gone just tossed mm-hmm. yeah i think the 2011 one like pays an appropriate amount of attention to blanche right they don't try to say oh this is a human with human feel like this is a human being with a mind yeah they literally and- are just like oh she's an obstacle well, so here's the other thing with Blanche in this one. In the Fastbender one, like Blanche is there, but it's very clear if you're, you know, from our objective audience perspective, that she is not a genuine right. No, completely. Like, Rochester does not pay attention to her. And that's, that's just very clear to us. And what we are seeing torturing Jane is that, like, she is having a lot of, like, negative self-talk about, like, Blanche is, I, how could I ever, 
compete against Blanche. Right. And like the whole thing is you as the audience want to just be like, girl, don't you see? He loved you. Right. But in this version, he pays a lot of attention to Blanche. Like he's he's like shown flirting with her and like going off riding with her and like making a point to pull her aside privately away from everybody where I'm like, Ugh, like again, like fuck you, man. Like they they weirdly stop have a little bit torturing this girl. They little they weirdly have like a little bit more um chemistry and like compatibility than he does with Jane. Like I agree. This Dick Rochester, I'm like, yeah, he should marry Blanche Ingram. I know they would have been fine. It would have been fine. Yeah. Um and I it's like I think that like in this version the 2006 version, Jane completely wipes the floor with him. Like, it's like a Beatrice and Benedict situation. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just her. She has all the power. And in other versions, you see her, like, especially in, like, the Charlotte version, she's so vulnerable. And she's Mm -hmm. so... You know, a word from him would just break her. Yeah. um, In in a beautiful way. Um, Right. But with with this one, I'm just like, damn, Ruth could just, I mean, she could do whatever the fuck she wanted. She can, right. like, take him or leave him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have to say, this is maybe an exaggeration, but, like, this is the first adaptation of this where I'm like, honestly, like, you could do better. Like, it's the first time where I'm not, like, really rooting for her in Rochester. Totally. Yeah, he doesn't, um... He doesn't grab me the way that other Rochesters no. grab my attention. Well, okay, so here we kind of are at the scene of the crime to me of where to where it really collapses for me <laughs> is is the scene. The, the scene, scene against which all adaptations are judged. Completely. Which is the proposal scene, which is Jane giving her speech of like it is my spirit that addresses your spirit. Do you think I'm a machine without feeling? And Ruth gives you everything. Yeah. Um, I was really quite, quite taken with her, with her rendition of this speech. Yeah. And was then so deeply disappointed by his <laughs> response. Yeah. yeah. Because the thing that doesn't work about it to me is like, this is the moment. This is where you are laid bare. All the cards are on the table. Like you said, the, you, this, this confession of love is so powerful that it changes the weather. Right. But when he goes into his part of it, of like, <laughs> will you marry? Will, will you marry me? There's no romance to it. He's placating her. The way it comes out for him is he's... He's just trying to calm her down. It it completely comes off that way. You are yeah. so right. Where he's just like, like, stop being hysterical. Will it make you feel better if you marry me? Like, that's the <laughs> energy of what he is saying. You like don't that, like that's what he's bringing to that scene. This is not the like um, reciprocity of tortured love. This is like, oh my god got another crazy bitch on my hands better calm her down and marry her and you don't get the what? sense that he planned so much of this 
because right. it's it's in the text it's like he he only flirted with blanche to make you jealous he only he made up this like other position to see how you'd react because he tells her like right. oh no you don't have to advertise like i'm basically sending you to ireland to take care of like 12 kids <laughs> like right um, and and he he's doing all this stuff to get a reaction out of her because she's so restrained mm-hmm. and he can't read but in mind. this yeah and i think what's frustrating is that in this version because toby stevens plays rochester is like kind of smarmy yeah that just comes across as him being kind of cruel to her completely and manipulative versus in plenty of other adaptations where it is like he's just he's testing the boundaries he's testing yep um it's very kind of chakovian where it's like i'm gonna just tell you a thing that i'm doing and see how you react right Whereas in this, he seems to just so deeply take for granted that Jane is in love with him. Oh, yeah. Because how could she not be? Because I'm so fucking hot. <laughs> like, that's his energy all the time. Yeah. Where it's like, no, you have to believe this woman will reject you. He has this and almost like high school jockey mentality. Well, yeah, that's what, yeah. And it's I, he was I very agree. like rom com at at points. Oh yeah, they're like it's very like witty banter rom-com stuff, which I'm like, listen, I love witty banter. That's save that for Pride and Prejudice. Completely. This is just crying, brooding <laughs> torture. But even when they can do the so this is one of the things that I'm like, oh, now I'm comparing the versions and I'm like, you know, drawing a line in the sand is the um exchanging the money scene in part 1. Where she's like, mm. I need wages mm-hmm. to travel. You haven't, because tr- she comes to him and is like, I need wages to travel. You haven't paid me anything. But in this one, he's like, Oh, do you need some money? Like, here's some money. And she's like, That's too much money. And he's like, Take yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, and it's <laughs> right. so jokey. And yeah. in the Fastbender one, she's like, you know, staunch, stark, sort of like, I need, I need my wages. And he's like, Okay, here's fifty. And she's like, no, that's way too much. And I'd be beholden to you. I need my wages. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, he, he's like, okay, well, then I'll give you less than you, you know, less than I owe you. Right. So I still owe you. And she's like, cool, great. Like, that's fine. Cause I'm planning on coming back anyway. And he's like, the whole thing is supposed to show that he, he, he doubts that she's going to come back. And also he feels like he's in a position to give her more money and that she'd be happy if he gave her more than she's earned. But that's like, so not what she's about. You know what I mean? Right. And it's totally. just handled so much better in the movie than it is in this. It's just like, it's sort of this like goofy, like, like, Oh my God, you're so crazy. Like, like <laughs> stop. Yeah, like I'll take I'll completely take twenty pounds. Like uh, I don't know, it's just so weird. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I don't. I I feel bad saying this because this person also like was one of the composers for um, John Adams. He composed, I think, most of the stuff for um, Elizabeth the First, which I know is on our list of things. I'm not sure when it's actually happening, um, mm-hmm. but 
Rob Lane, who did the music for this. And at times it is just like so hokey. Yeah. And there are moments where it's like, um, like laughably bad. Mm-hmm. And, and it sort of, it doesn't help us get away from this kind of like rom com tone. Like it's music you would expect to hear in an adaptation of Little Women. In fact, I'm pretty sure one of them was just like lifted from <laughs> the score of Little Women. Um, <laughs> the Winona Ryder one, I was like, is this the same theme as like, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> and like the getting ready scene. Um, when yeah. uh, Fairfax learns, you know, 19 year old Mrs. Fairfax learns that um, Rochester's coming with this big house party and she needs to do all this preparation. Um, and it's like this like jig. And it's so like, <laughs> it's so like, oh, time to meet the downstairs cast, like time to meet the, you know, the dailies. Um, yeah. It's so weird. And I, I, so I feel bad saying that because I, I know that he's written way, way, way better stuff. Yeah. But like, holy crap. <laughs> the tone problems are not helped by the, you know, weirdness of the music. No, I agree. But yeah. So, yeah. Pro- so, so proposal scene. <laughs> Doesn't really land for me. Same. And it's so sad because she's so good in that scene. She, and then it's just not met. She completely owns the the scene. And and it's it's funny too because they also, once again, they've given they've given this scene a ton of time. Mm-hmm. I think it lasts for like a solid like at least ten minutes. Yeah. And it's like you could have done so much more and people have done so much more with so much less. Um, right. One of the things I like about the Charlotte one is that it happens at night in in the dark. Yes. And it's like yeah. in the garden at night and it's dark out and there's like, you know, a sky full of stars. And then this like big storm happens and like breaks the tree. Um, yeah. And the tree is like a symbol for Rochester himself. Like he eventually is like broken and burnt and like then regrows out of the ashes or whatever. Um, but you see the different ways these different actors um, who play Jane take those speeches. And Charlotte's controlled, like, fragile waif, um, you know, black-haired, like, ballerina, she's, like, trembling. And she's, like, you know do you think I, because I'm poor and plain that I am not, you know, that I'm without feeling like, and she, you totally believe that she means it in the moment. And same with um Mia, you can see her just like with every fiber of her being fighting the urge to cry. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in this one, Ruth is just like, I'm going to fucking cry. And if you judge me <laughs> yeah. for crying, like you're not the kind of thing I want. And it's like, it's really over the top, but it, it works for me. I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, that storm has, that storm has come and the clouds are about to burst. So, it's mm-hmm. really, Oh, you know what we haven't mentioned? Hmm. The fact that the three adaptations we've basically been talking about the most all use the same house for Thornfield. <laughs> they do, right? It's Haddon house. I think is what it's oh, called. Okay. 
It's called Haddon House, and it's like a okay. It's like one of I those... could have sworn that was true when I was watching the 2011. I was like, that that's definitely the same house. So it's kind of fitting that we we keep comparing these three because they literally have the same set. Boy, and does the 2011 one really makes the most out of it? Really Although do. I wonder if they use the interiors. The interiors may be some stage. The well, but I don't I know. know. Like the her little schoolroom is the same. She always has a different bedroom. Yeah. Um, but like that main hall, um, the staircase going up, um, yeah. that like courtyardy thing. That's like uh-huh. always the same thing. Yeah, which you're I right. which I love. I think yeah. they should keep doing that for like every adaptation should just be there. Like that's yeah. that's basically Thornfield. Yeah. Um, that exterior like walk that has those little um those little cubby hole things with like the table, oh, yeah. table and chairs in them. Um, mm-hmm. that was I think that's when I started to be like, wait, is this the same exact setting? <laughs> and I looked it up. That's and it is. so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, it's crazy. Huh. Makes sense. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, then the <laughs> wedding. The wedding. Which is always so fraught. Like that scene, both the 2011 one and the 2006 one, and I guess this is in the book too, that Rochester is in this very kind of like, kind of scary, hurried mood. And he's just sort of like dragging her to the church. Right. Which I I get to a degree. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I missed this in the book, but like, is he aware that, Briggs is around like because it, he's moving with such an urgency that you kind of have to you kind of have to accept that maybe he knows someone's waiting in the wings to to remind him of Bertha well I thought because there's basically like a month oh this is another thing so there's basically a month in between the proposal and the wedding right and he spends all that time like trying to buy her jewelry that she doesn't want and like and in in the book i found it really really tedious and in the um miniseries i find it really really tedious and in basically every movie adaptation they completely exclude it yeah um you know or pay like lip service to it where it's like there's a box of jewels and she chooses not to wear them right um but i i sort of have always thought that the hurriedness was like they basically leave from the wedding to get on a train and then never have to come back to Thornfield like ever again if right. he doesn't want to like he's got the he's got the honeymoon like the rooms are ready the charter it's in view yeah, yeah. it's like I'm finally getting out of the here boat, the sure. boat is like waiting in the port for them yeah um, to go yeah. travel around the Mediterranean and like have the rest of their life to deal with the consequences. Um, mm-hmm. But it does. Yeah. Depending on who, again, like with the score, like it's it in this one, it's like this really dire, scary music instead totally. of like, Oh, it's really happy music. And he's just being, you know, Edward Fairfax Rochester and like dragging her because that's the, that's the pace at which he walks. Um, yeah. And she's like just happily trying to keep up, um, mm-hmm. but in this one, it's like, oh, he's dragging. He's gonna kill her. <laughs> right. Like, oh, it's right. It's very like a scary. Movie. Yeah. I will. And then 
can can I also say I'm really glad that they yeah. made they had her have a Yorkshire accent and him have like a standard like RP yeah. dialect. Um, because in the Fastbender one, they both have Yorkshire accents, and mm-hmm. it makes them a little too close in mm. like social standing, at least to my ears. Yeah. Um. And in basically every other one, they can they don't give anyone a Yorkshire accent unless you're like a servant. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact that in this one, she has like Yorkshire inflections, um, that like North Country inflection, and he's more like standard British. Mister Rochester. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. But hey, here comes the <laughs> here comes the the twist. The twist. <laughs> Enter Richard Mason. Oh, God. Yep. So Rochester's got a wife. She lives. She lives. At Thornfield. At Thornfield. <laughs> and then we go and we meet Ms. Bertha. Who, again, <laughs> they made her look so pretty and put together and she yep. is surrounded by props that could be surrounded by like turned into oh weapons. she seems chill <laughs> right every other one she's like haggard and like in an empty room with like you know and that's what the book says like she is literally like a scary monster right. in this room <laughs> which is like I don't, I'm torn because part of me is just like okay like cool to not just like have this like feral woman living in this room but it but it doesn't work for the plot like to to have her be it actually to me makes that makes that whole plot element that much more problematic right because having Bertha seem like honestly kind of normal <laughs> the implication is like oh no she was just like kind of a slut who you decided was crazy she was a slut and you locked her away and that is what has made her crazy she was a slut and she didn't speak english so they decided to lock I her mean, in an attic <laughs> but there's this is the so other, much wrong with this with is the, the other thing, thing it's like why did they choose to make so so richard mason is fine and speaks perfect english and and you know, is kind of like kind of swarthy, like a little dark, little debonair. And yeah. um Bertha is gorgeous. Her hair is perfect. Her room is upholstered to the gods. There are lit mm-hmm. lit candles everywhere. <laughs> it's that kind of thing that a lot of like British period stories do, where it's like the way colonialism shows up in those period pieces, it reminds me of, um, I'm thinking of the Mr. Pamuk storyline on Downton Abbey. Yeah. And like how like kind of terrible it is that like Mary and the family like paint this incredibly racist picture of him before he arrives. Um, And then he shows up and they're like, oh no, he's Theo James, who's like kind of, dark looking <laughs> right. but it's like still very much a white person he's like a normal like, he's like a normal like phew. italian man <laughs> right right there's like they say there's like a horrible racist things and then the person of color is italian Holy. like and that's completely what they do 
that's how Bertha is portrayed in all of these adaptations. Like literally Bertha in the Fassbender one is played by this Italian actress. Is she actually supposed to be like not English? Like I know that they, they meet and marry in Jamaica, but she's not, she's part of that colonialist group. Well, that's what I don't, but I thought she has like Creole ancestry. I feel like she was always described as like, being having you know sort of like generic exotic heritage that seemed to imply that she was not an english woman in the way rochester and jane are english people you know she's not like a pasty white english person that that was always my understanding was that she is she's like not not like complete anglo-saxon white person interesting because that's like in the um the 2011 one they don't do that like at all with her i think no they don't go into her backstory at all the actress that plays her is um uh what's her face from the david tennant uh hamlet who played ophelia no i it looks like her it is not mariah gale oh it's not no but i had the exact same thought because i saw the clip and i was like oh my god it's mariah gale but it's not it's um that's so funny let me look it up no i looked it up just because i was like I, I literally had that exact thought. Um, but it's an Italian actress. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Let's, let me find her real quick. Valentina Cervis. I, I don't know how to pronounce that in Italian. C-E-R-V-I. Okay. I'm, I'm looking up Bertha Mason. <laughs> and yeah, yep. she's described as being of... Um, of Creole heritage. She was famous, yeah. famous for her beauty. She was the pride of the town, sought after by many suitors. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so they really, uh, they really go hard. <laughs> yeah, they do. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. But it's always you know, Bertha, it's always just sort of like this gesture toward "Mm, she's crazy. Yeah. And we never quite know what it is. Oh, God. A number of Victorian writers at the time suggested that madness could result from a racially impure lineage. Woof. 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 Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Yeah. But wait, so can I please sorry well so this is this is the thing about the bertha subplot that that i have confusion about with charlotte bronte as the author of this story and maybe this is just a thing i'm supposed to get from subtext but like i've always sort of stumped by jane's response to the bertha stuff not that she's like obviously she's very surprised by it and very upset by it but the source of her surprise and her disappointment and sadness is that Rochester has lied to her, which is like fair. But I also am just sort of waiting for an acknowledgement of like, this is a girl who has very specific trauma associated with being locked away in a room. (laughs) And now comes to find that this man that she loves yeah has locked away a woman in a room 
if I were her, I'd be like, oh shit, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that would. That I'm would, gonna be next. That would trigger. Like, that would trigger a person. Like, right? Because to me, there's there's so much room for her to have real sympathy for Bertha. Sure. Um, that it that never comes. Well, and I mean, and wouldn't you think like your first thought would be like, okay, so so if I one day piss him off enough. You know, if he gets mad at me, is he just going to get Grace Poole to, like, uh, right. <laughs> muscle me into this room and lock the door? Right. And then I will go crazy, and then they'll really never let me out. Like, Right. Yeah. Like, that's no, no part of her concern. It's just, you have a wife, so I can't marry you. Not, like, I need to kind of know... <laughs> I'm going to need to hear it from you and then I'm going to need to get some like second opinions about the circumstances under which this woman ended up in this tower. Right. Because this, as the next candidate to be your wife, this does not seem great. (laughs) Um, Okay, I have a couple of issues. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, and then then it's like you get into this balancing act um, of which Rochester gets to tell like the story and like, who does it best? How much of the story do they tell? And once again, we fall into this trap of Toby Stevens gets 15 minutes with flashbacks. Um, you know, also why the fuck did they decide? (laughs) Why did they decide to have him tell this story? Like just immediately like shuts the door why is he saying it immediately after meeting Bertha? And why is he saying it in the presence of Richard Mason? Like, that makes no sense. Because in the book, it's like, Jane, you've seen a lot. Yeah. Let's have a come down, just the two of us. And it's the Fastbender version. It's so beautiful. It's so perfect. It's like she's, and it's that fireplace and she's, it's so darkly lit. And there's that amazing moment where he like goes to like grab her and she stands up. Ugh. Well, and it's they. It's so perfect. It's, it's exactly like the book, and it's so yeah. it, you get the sense that she's so she hasn't eaten all day because yeah. it was her wedding and she was you know gonna eat. Had to get in that dress. She was, well, she and she was gonna eat after, so you know why not tie those cor- that corset now and and we'll think about it in an hour when I'm a happily married woman. And, right. and I'll pop an apple in my mouth at some point. Um, yeah. And then, so she, and that's the other thing that I just adore about the 2011 version is she pries that dress off of herself like it is. Po- oh, it's like it's poison. Like it's. Yeah. Oh, God. She's, just, and she's fiddling with like the strings and she cannot get that dress off fast enough. Yeah, no, it's, it's that's a gorgeous shot. It's exquisite. And it's yeah. terrifying, and you just feel for her so, so hard. And yeah. in this one, Ruth just sort of delicately, like, it's this very sort of, like, dance-like. She's like, oh, time to get back into my governess dress. Boo, mm-hmm. You know, boo-hoo. Um, the Charlotte one, just, she <laughs> she gets in a carriage. There's, like, there's nothing in between. She, You see her in her wedding dress, and then you see her, like the next shot she's like got her bags packed she's like yeah she's like peace (laughs) but in the 2011 one she 
hasn't eaten all day. She hasn't had a sip of water all day. She's like a breath away from passing out. And she he's been camped outside of her door and she like wants she knows she will like die without some water. So she has to leave her room and confront him. And he's like, you know, oh, how could I do this to you? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she's like, Can I just get by you, please? Like right. <laughs> so and then and then they have this this beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. And he, and he does every the the writing is perfect. He does everything perfectly. M- Mia Wasikowska's r- response to him is utterly perfect. Yeah. Um, and in the two thousand six one, we don't even get to see what happened until flashbacks. Yeah. And in this one, basically, that's right. He's like, oh, it's so weird. I forgot about that. He's like, and they're like having sex. Well, not having sex, but oh. they're in bed together and he's like it's so weird we need to get yeah like let's get there because that will take a very long time to talk about that because <laughs> i yeah mm-hmm. well let's jump in i mean let's like uh so so what so then she so next she's at the rivers so then she bops out gets lost on the moors um yeah super tight yeah is the amnesia thing in the book? In the I can't remember. I, Where she arrives at the rivers is, and like has no memory of who she is. I genuinely cannot remember if it's. I don't think so. She goes under the name Jane Elliot, but I didn't think that was like. I think that's my name. I thought that was like a conscious choice of her being like exactly, exactly. I I can't be found. Like I need to just like be someone else right now. Yeah, yeah. Which you know it's treated so well in the 2011 one. Yeah. Once again, all of the things I that, love, that version does right. Yeah, I love that they use her arrival at the Rivers House as the framing device for the whole story because it makes so much sense. Right. That that's where we drop in and we learn her whole story as she is reflecting on it with, with them. And like recovering. And then exactly because you, there is so much stuff that happens during that time in her life, but you don't want to spend, if you want the story to be Jane and Rochester, you don't want to spend a fuckload of time there either. Yeah. So yeah, you get it in the beginning and she's, you don't know who this girl is, what she's running away from, how things could have gotten that bad why she's sleeping out in the open and then she's like saved and then like that whole thing of like what is your name and you hear john reed like that it's just they treated it so well yeah <laughs> like yeah. you could tell that they cared so much about writing a good story yeah I really love that this has become like 90% about the 2011 version as I knew it would, as I knew it would, because it's so fucking good. See, I would have figured that I would have talked so much more about the one that's actually my favorite, but it is like, I know which one is done the best. Yeah. You know, that doesn't stop the Charlotte Gainsbourg one from being 1 million percent. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, but that is where when she is you know, recovering with the, with the rivers is mm-hmm. that's where we get the, um, the flashbacks to her leaving Rochester. So, so please take it away. Please, please uh, go there. Oh gosh. Yeah. For the 2000. Okay. So it's simply awful. 
um it's a it's a it's a they were trying to and they did this a couple times where they tried to have them have like romantic scenes together they wanted to see basically they went into this miniseries being like okay it's it's jane and rochester basically throughout and we need to you know have some ham-fisted like physical love scenes where right. where they physically love each other with their yeah. with their bodies and their mouths mm-hmm. um so let's have one of those scenes be the scene in which she basically exerts the most independence of spirit other than the proposal scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything that they didn't do in the proposal scene, they tried to do in this scene and it is gross to a gross effect. Um, I personally feel attacked every time he kisses her in this scene. I feel like it's a violation and I feel like it's, it, it skews so close to like, a violent gaslighting rape to me yep. that yep. I'm that I'm made so uncomfortable by this scene that I I every time I rewatched this in preparation for our conversation every time I was just like oh like out loud just groaning and being like please can I skip this yeah it's it's no it's so unsettling it's it's really um yeah no it's 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 completely the wrong pitch for that moment. <laughs> it's Um, not right (laughs) because and but this is also like coming it's it's just all compounded by the fact that like there is not an ounce of charm or not charm but like vulnerability or tenderness to his rochester he is just a smarmy dick the entire time and then to see him in this scene putting all of that to its most sinister effect of seducing her and he's on top of her and he's like touching her neck and all of this. And it's this full on like, yeah, he's literally just going to try and like seduce her into staying in a way that, yeah, is super smarmy, super manipulative. And you're just like, girl, get out. Like, and don't come back. Like, (laughs) And don't ever come back. You don't need to. Right. Like he's, I, I totally agree. It's, and it, it, it's sort of like the pinnacle of, wow, they did not really get this relationship right in this oh. adaptation. And like you said, okay, so he is physically on top of her. He is co- basically covering her mouth with his hands or his mouth while, mm-hmm. while he is talking her into staying. Mm-hmm. And... At one point, correct me if I'm wrong, at one point, you see his hand disappear, and I feel like the implication is that he's, like, trying to, like, pleasure her, Yeah, and he's like, what about now? Like, do you want to stay now? Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like... Well, and he has some line about, like, but the flesh is so yielding. And that's not what that line is supposed to mean. No. This is not a sex scene. This is not like you know. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. He's basically saying like once again the Fastbender one does it so much better where he's he's holding on to her and he's saying like you are so small and I'm so big and strong. I could I could snap you like a twig, 
but I could never, that wouldn't make me, that wouldn't get me to the part of you that I want most, which is that spark of life that I yeah. thought that I had lost. It's your soul I want. You're, I want the innermost part of you. And the only yeah. way to share that with you is to marry you. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, I mean, it is about sex, but it's not. It's more about that. that it's a very primal visceral like no it's and it's and it goes elemental you know and it's the whole thing that this whole story is about is her inner life rekindles his inner life he had lost it he had given up on it and her coming into his life her sense of self her independence of spirit rekindles his and that's where they find their natural sympathy that chord of communion and in Mm -hmm. this it's like i'm gonna physically exert myself on you and like like kiss you until you say yes to me it's so gross it's just so gross Mm -hmm. and it's it's so uncomfortable to watch especially after you have like you know the william hurt one doesn't do it at all like that scene where he tries to convince her he basically gets to do he gets to do all three of those scenes in one scene where he's yeah. saying, you know, you know, they tricked me into marrying her. It was cleverly done. And he, he, one of the things I love about William Hurt's performance is he um, delivers this one line and it's, I did what I was told and you could have done it in any kind of way, but he does it in this sort of like howling cry of like, I'm still that kid who didn't know what, you know, I was the second son. I was the spare. I was, I was doing my duty to my family. And he does this sort of like, like sob. And it's just like, oh yes, you understand the torment that he's been going through this whole time. Yeah. Like you get it. And then you have Toby Stevens (laughs) with his like dyed black hair, like hanging in her face and like, weirdly moaning and kissing and like writhing on top of her and it's so so bad i just want to <laughs> cry thinking about it because it's so gross <laughs> they both deserved such a better scene i know both of those actors deserved a better miniseries yes they did yes they really they really did because <laughs> it's not toby steven's fault he, he clearly there was, no they're both there was great a director. actors Right. There was a director telling them what to do. <laughs> Part of me wonders if, like, they they got all set up and they were going to do a Wuthering Heights adaptation. And then, like, the <gasps> day before they got a call, like, scratch it. We're switching to Jane Eyre. You do get Keep the same cast. You do get that sense that he's, <laughs> like, like, he's completely styled to look like Heathcliff. <laughs> I know. Like, I think he literally, like, read the wrong book when he was preparing for this role. I literally have in my notes um, the Lost on the Moors scene. She just seemed really comfortable. She would be a great <laughs> Kathy. Yeah. Because <laughs> she, she would be a great so Kathy. at home, like, wandering the Moors. Yeah. Can we just, like... <laughs> recut this to be Wuthering Heights. We could probably splice them together. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, then back in the uh, in the Rivers household with Sinjin. So we're back to the present. <laughs> back to the present. <laughs> As she recovers from her trauma from Mr. Rochester. And so this is another thing that is like, oh wow, this was put in because people from the book 
were like, why isn't she in any of the adaptations? It's like this random girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Who, you know, uh, Oliver, Lady Oliver. Yeah. Just why? And you look just like Blanche. Like, wouldn't that (laughs) wouldn't that trigger some stuff for Jane? Like, wouldn't you automatically hate her just because of her blonde ringlets and her horse? Like, I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is like the way she engages with Sinjin, like in that scene, especially where she's like, you love her. Like, it's fine. Yeah. There's an openness yeah. and a forthrightness to her that's so different from what she had been with Rochester that I think it's really, I think that's one of the things that that I, I mentioned before that I love about Ruth Wilson's performance is that she really gets that gradual um, maturation of Jane and her really coming into her own as like a comfortable woman. Oh, totally. Um, and she's already acting like his older sister. Right. Or like his, his sister. I'm, he's probably older than she is. Right. Um, and she has, has found this autonomy that she's always felt for herself, but in the in the rejection of Sinjin's proposal, it's the most like self actualizing thing she does. It's like, no, I'm not gonna do this. Like, if I go to India, I have to be free. I can't go as your wife. It has to be my decision. And I think that Andrew Buchan nails Sinjin. Yeah, I, I think, and and that's the other. Th- I think, um, oh God, who plays him in the 2011 one? Jamie. Um, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell, and he's so perfect until that final like rejection scene. I agree. And they part ways with him literally screaming at her. Like it's so, that's the one thing I think about the 2011 one that I don't like is that they Mm -hmm. make him a dick. Yeah. At the end when he's been so perfect up until that point. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think they get it right in in this version that he's just he's just a very very stoic self um you know, self-flagellating holy man, you know, that he his whole thing is to just deprive himself of happiness. Right. It's the two things that Jane is, which is um steadfast and passionate. So take away like the steadfastness and she's basically Rochester. Take away the passion and she's basically Sinjin. You yep. know, she's like those two men crammed into one woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Andrew Buchan is like perfect, perfectly cast. And he plays the role gorgeously. Um, and Jamie Bell does too until he yells at her. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you can, you're disappointed. Like, I feel like he's disappointed, but he's not like angry. Yeah. And he wouldn't judge her for like, you know, wanting to keep her autonomy. Like, I just don't see that. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. And then we But he the... also gives her some important news. Oh, oh, yes. Which is that uh, <laughs> the uncle that Mrs. Reed was like, oh, I told him you're dead because you were mean to me. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jane has been contacted at last by this uncle who is in fact dead. But good news, she gets 20000 a year. He always, uh, he always 
held out hope that she was alive. And uh, yeah. yeah, so she is now a very wealthy woman. Hell yeah. And she decides that since Sinjin and his two sisters, help, you know, saved her life and Sinjin then... Oh, Sinjin, who she then finds out is her cousin. Reminds her, you know, oh, we are, we also share, you know, an aunt. Um, or we share a grandparent or something. We're, we're cousins. Um, I think it's that that uncle is also his uncle. By, by marriage. Right, right. Like, he's an he's an heir she's an heir by birth he's an heir by marriage i guess i think um, so yeah so she decides like oh well there's twenty thousand. like we're gonna split that four ways and the sisters don't have to be governesses anymore like they can come home i'm gonna teach at the school still and we're all just gonna be brother and brother and sisters and and we're gonna have a very happy family because that's the thing i've been searching for this entire time mm-hmm. um and then she hears the voice across the moor, which is one million percent my favorite supernatural supernatural aspect of this story. Mm-hmm. Like they tease out, you know, they tease hauntings, they tease ghosts um, the whole time, and then this is like the real supernatural thing that happens. Is she hears Rochester's voice calling her name from across the moors? Yes. And she, she mm. responds by saying, you know, Edward, where are you? Wait for me. And she runs off. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, this one, they choose to do it by showing a rushing brook. And it's super weird. Um, yep. In the, um, in the 2011 one, I think it's like a, you hear like a whisper and it's like, she like looks around and she's like, "What the?" Fuck? It happened. Well, yeah, it happens in that scene where Sinjin's proposing. Right. She hears Rochester. So maybe it is, and good then just sort of like wanders she... away from Sinjin. He's like, "I'm talking." He's like, "Where the you. fuck are you going?" <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> and she's like, "I'm coming." Um, yeah. And then um, the one with Charlotte, I think she hears like a. It's almost like birds flapping their wings, and then she hears like a. Like a chain. And she's like, oh my goodness, I should go find him. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, you know, of these sort of like interesting contrivances, that's like my favorite. Yeah. That's that very swoony gothic romance thing. Totally. Like they, yeah. their spirits hurt each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emily, Emily puts that to full effect in what <laughs> They're always just screaming across the moors at each other. They never not hear each other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And then it's back to Thornfield. Right. So she and this, they, they do the thing that they do in the book is that like Thornfield is completely burned down mm-hmm. in, in the movie adaptations. It's always like, Oh, you know, there was a fire, but it's still like basically livable. And some certain parts of the manor is, are like usable um, mm-hmm. in this one. It is fully burnt down. <laughs> And, yeah. and he happens to have a second house, like a little hunting cottage down the way, which is still right. like the size of a manor. And it looks yeah. so green screeny and terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was 2006. I had just, you know, I was about to graduate high school when this came out. Like it's, uh, 
we'll forgive. It was a different world. It was a different time back then. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, CG has gotten a lot better since then, especially Certainly. for um, BBC miniseries. As, as, as... Well, you compare the how with it being the same manner in in both of these, like the effect of of the burnt house in in the 2011 version versus the 2006 version. You're like, she had a budget. Oh yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, you don't have to see a ton of it. You just have to see the fact that it like has some like smoke damage. (laughs) Right. Um, And, and And then this like shepherd comes up and finds her. Right. And in every other version, I think it's Mrs. Fairfax who tells her, like, what happened. Yeah. Which is not true in the book. Like, in the book, it is um, a different servant. It's a male servant from the house. Oh, interesting. I'm pretty sure. Huh. I didn't remember that. It's not Mrs. Fairfax, though. That's wild. I'm pretty positive. You know what we haven't talked about? The fact that the Fairfax That Judy Dench... Are like oh sorry yeah like Judy Dench Joan Plowright like really right. incredible like Shakespearean actor a- actors yeah. have played Mrs Fairfax to yeah. wonderful effect and yeah. um, Judy Dench I love is... Judy Dench's Mrs Fairfax she's so warm and kind and I love by having her be the one to deliver that news to Jane you have that really lovely moment where she's like why didn't you tell me like I could have helped you yeah. Well, she, it's really nice. She gets Very to maternal. Do this kind of like judgy, you know what I mean? Because she gets mm-hmm. when Adele dances and she's like, "How very French!" <laughs> it's like <laughs> right. that is the perfect Judy Dench one-liner. Like, why? Why would you have cast anybody else in this role? Yeah. But man, oh man, does her age vary from picture to picture? Oh yeah, because it's like in this one, she's you know. A sprightly like 30 something <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and then Joan Plowright does more of like the she's kind of like doddering and she might not hear very well but she just goes about her day almost like a Betty White um, mm. she's almost like a Rose Nyland and mm-hmm. in the 2011 she's way more of like a B. Arthur <laughs> yeah sort of like quippy one liners but then she's got a lot of heart <laughs> yeah Time to um, find Mr. Rochester again. Oh, right. So he's he happens to walk out his front door the second she approaches the house. Doesn't he just? And just walks out his front door. Doesn't seem to be going to do anything. No, no. He just needed to be there so she could react to him being there. And yep. um, also the greatest um, thing, you know, the, the fire took his sight. But only gave him, like, some slight jawline acne. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the extent of the disfiguration. In the William Hurt one, I mean, his, like, his, half of his face is, like, melted. And, like, it's just, oh, it's so spooky. Um, in mm. this one, they give him, like, <laughs> like, some slight razor burn. Yeah. Although even that is better than in the 2011 version where he just has a beard. He's just a hipster. <laughs> Right. He's got a cane and a beard. Yeah, he's just become kind of a shepherd. <laughs> like he's really let himself go. Right. He just looks like a member of Mumford and Sons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um Yeah. But then so they 
they do some like hellos and she she takes a really long time to tell him that she's there. Yeah. And which would be more satisfying in an adaptation where I gave a shit about their relationship. Exactly. Because that scene in the book is so beautiful. Oh yeah. Oh, and it's like Oh, it's just so satisfying how it just is like it's agonizing how slow it moves. Oh yeah. And how little by little it's like oh she spilled some of the water and it's like it's so beautiful and in this it's like it's like uh, just the the way the scene is written does all the work for it because you're like it's it's just such a lovely premise of that scene Mm -hmm. but the actual chemistry of it again they go back to the and then when she's like on his lap and like combing his hair oh my god it's hokey jokey rom-com nonsense right right and they're just making fun of each other i know i'm like what is this dynamic it's like the new beauty and the beast like the live action beauty and the beast like like i like him because he negs me all the time (laughs) completely like completely that's what it is that's not what love looks like yep yeah it's just about like jane like and jane's in this miniseries, the symbol of Jane being, like, self-actualized and, like, ready to be his partner is that she can neg him back just as hard. <laughs> that shows her growth, that she's like, right. she's like, ew, you're gross. <laughs> right, she's like, you're so ugly now. And he's like, ew, you're ugly. And she's like, you're hot. Nah. Um, <laughs> so weird. It's, it's just yeah. so jokey and stupid. And then, so it takes three extra scenes like scene changes for him to finally like propose to her when you know every other thing it's like oh you're back we're back it's done like the fact that you've come back here and we both know that my wife is dead which again super convenient right um don't i wish all first wives were like that no i'm kidding um they all do die in these stories. <laughs> in these stories, they do. Real life, however. Usually it's from a disease. <laughs> Stepmom. Anybody? Stepmom? Come on. Um, no, but so, you know, all of those f- funny things aside, this one just drags it out and they're sitting by the river. Like, like what was she going to do? Stay with you the whole, like, stay with you, like, living in, like, no, you're in love. Yeah. Like, but that's the thing is if they had had a skosh of chemistry, they wouldn't have needed all these extra scenes. And it's like, mm-hmm. it works against them anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, cause you compared that to the 2011 version oh. and there's like two lines of dialogue. She shows up, beardy fastbender is sitting on that tree <laughs> She touches his hand. He's like, holy fuck, it's Jane Eyre. <laughs> they kiss, and we're done. <laughs> holy fuck, it's Jane Eyre. <laughs> that's it. No, That's then, the line, right? Yeah, yeah. It's to- that's verbatim what he that's says. That's what he says. Um, but it's like you just you don't need anything else because this chemistry is so earned, and this tortured mm-hmm. longing is so earned that you're just like, yep, nope. All she has to do is, like, touch him, smooch, 
cut to credits yeah. and we're all weeping. They're, they're magnets and they, they, yeah. they found each other and it's, they are never going to be separated again. That string. Into that string, that cord of communion. In the words of Taylor Swift, invisible string. Oh my God. In the words of Carly Rae Jepsen, if I cut a piece of guitar string, I would wear it like a wedding ring wrapped around my fingers. You know what I mean? I'm um, sorry. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> It's, you know if, I love a Carly Rae Jepsen interlude. If you cut a piece of guitar string. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do. So I remember watching the 2011 one for the first time and being super upset. Because like another one of the famous things is like the, and and so I married him or. Reader, I married reader, him. I, yeah. Reader, I married him thing. And they completely did away with that. And now being you know, nine years older than I was then, I completely love that it was like, they hold each other, it is quiet, and we cut to black. Like, it's yeah, it's just brilliant. It's a great editorial moment where it's, they probably shot that wedding scene, and then in the room they were like, nope, that's the end. You know? Well, and like, yeah, and in the, um, in the Charlotte one, it's, it's like, she she talks to him and they have this really beautiful i think she says he says something you know like i'm no better than that old tree that was you know struck by lightning like i'm you know i'm dead and i'm burnt and like what can i offer you and she's like well and like that tree like smaller things will grow around you because your your strength offers them a safer hold and it's like oh my god it's one of the most gorgeous mm. scenes so beautifully written and then and then it cuts to like they're walking toward the lake and you can see like Adele on like a picnic blanket like toward the river and she does the whole like closing monologue of like and so I married him and you know when the when our first child was put into his arms um he he regain he could regain his sight and like see that the child had inherited his eyes or whatever and Mm. it's like really beautiful um in this one (laughs) They choose to go full Jane Austen and have everybody sit down to like get their portrait painted. Yeah. And it's supposed to be this weird callback to this portrait thing that they invented at the beginning with the reeds and how she wasn't invited in there. Correct. But it's like, oh, but I didn't care about that. So, right. That didn't make any impact on me two to four episodes, depending on where I'm watching it, ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I do not care. Just, yeah. just, just show me the show me the baby and show me that he can see again. That's mm-hmm. like all I really wanted to see. But then they literally do what, basically what they do in the um, Gwyneth Paltrow Emma, where they have like this like drawn thing like around the screen, and I'm like, how many different movies is this miniseries trying to be? Right. Like, it's just so, it was really cheap and really tacky, and I hated yeah. it. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, finally let her hair down, and she's like, come on, everybody, we're like, come on, like, we're gonna sit down on the bench. And it's like, also, yeah. it's a completely different house, so who, where do they right. live now? Whose fucking house is this? Like, yeah. I just don't get why they would end on such a stupid, hokey, magoki note. Yeah. That's BBC miniseries for you. Uh, 
but they can't all be that bad. I mean, I heard that. I mean, a lot of them are. I heard that her um that Susanna White's Bleak House is like really good. Oh yeah, that I think won won some Emmys. That's tight. I I do want to watch yeah. that one. We can. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll do that one. We'll do that one at some point, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We will we will do that one. Yeah. So uh, that's Jane Eyre. That is Jane Eyre. Kate, do you have any like? Any overall thoughts? Any overall, like, I just, like, really want to get... Because this was kind of your first time doing a deep dive into this story, right? Yeah, I had never... I had, I knew the story very well. And I had seen the, um, the 2011 one when it came out. Yeah. And, yeah, but I, I, I grew up knowing a lot of the details of the story just because it's, again, it's my mom's favorite book. Mm-hmm. Um but had never actually read it. As we said, my Bronte was Wuthering Heights. That, yeah, that was the one I read in high school. And then I read it again in college. And I love that story, even though it's like (laughs) fucking insane. (laughs) But um, yeah, but so for, in preparation for this, I was like, no, I got to read the book, but I'm a slow reader. So I got the audio book read by Tandy Newton. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I really get it. Like, this is a book that I would reread. Um, it's just a really rich story and it's a really empowering story for young women and uh, yeah it it's I get it I get uh, lived up to the hype I do I wonder if like there are other gay boys out there who really like found this story to like speak to them because I don't know I I don't know what it is about oh, I believe it do you do you feel like that would be I don't think you're the only Jane Eyre gay. No, no, I, I, I I'm you cannot sure I'm be. not. But like, yeah, like I just remember being like, like little, and I do. I think I did the same thing you did with Wuthering Heights. Like I, I read it in high school and I liked it, and then I read it again in college and I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember watching the movie like constantly when I was a kid the Charlotte mm-hmm. Gainsbourg one and mm-hmm. something about this story and something about like, I don't know if it was just her or, um, or what it was about this sort of like this connection between <clears throat> this plane. I don't know. You, and you sort of see it in like movies, like in perpetuity, like throughout history, like, you know, there's the, there's the normal girl and she falls for the guy who's also kind of courting like the pretty girl, but he chooses the, you know, bookish girl over the pretty girl. You you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that that spoke to like some, some crowds of gay boys. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's interesting you bring that up and, and we can get more into it as, cause we'll cover other um, Victorian literature and that kind of thing. Mm. But, um, that was something that really hit me when I watched the show Gentleman Jack, Ooh. Um, which is the based on the true story of Ann Lister, who was this very masculine landowning lesbian who lived around, who like lived in the in the eighteen twenties, eighteen thirties. She died, uh, I think, in eighteen forty. But that show does this really incredible thing where even though it's based on a true story, it, 
it's structured in such a way that it's it's such a perfect recreation of all the things you love about Bronte novels and Victorian literature. And there was something like so healing as a lesbian watching the story and be like, oh, I was inserting myself into Darcy's role. I was inserting myself into Heathcliff's role. And now this is a show that validates that. And there is this wow. gruff butch woman um, who at the end of season one has this beautiful reunion, very Jane Eyre-like actually, very mm. Jane Eyre-like, where her love returns and is like, I want to marry you. And they have this beautiful sweeping reunion over the moors. And I'm like, oh my God, you made a gay Wuthering Heights. And like, I now feel like my closet itself can be put to rest <laughs> right you know it was this really beautiful corrective thing and there's um this this um gay writer heather hogan wrote a really really gorgeous piece about that feeling um wow. for autostraddle when that finale happened so i think that's completely right i mean i think there is a lot of subtextually i mean let's be honest nobody does longing like the gays so well and that's the thing it's it is kind of funny like I'm not really surprised to hear more. And, and if you are out there and you're listening to this and you agree with us or you see yourself in these kinds of these period pieces where restraint is the name of the game and, yep. and expressing your true feelings could mean either disaster or it could mean you've entered the region of bliss. You know what I mean? I think there is something really unique about the queer experience and the need, and this I think is what you're getting at, that we can access the electricity and the sexual charge of a brush of a hand. Oh my God. Really immediately. When I was talking about the, um, I think it's in, they do it in atonement and they do it in um, uh, uh, Pride and Prejudice you know, both Kira Knightley. Are those both Joe Wright? Uh-huh. That he, um, Rochester, or Rochester, uh, uh, pretty much, um, Darcy helps her into the carriage and then walks yes. away and stretches his hand. And stretches his hand, yep. Uh, the, the... Electric. Uh, the imagery, the... The... That physical action is so strong and has yep. like imprinted on my brain. So that and, is and, one of the most iconic moments of that movie oh is God. him stretching his hand so, after touching her. It's so brilliant. And it makes, he's been, he's been shocked. You know, it's like, it makes oh, so it's amazing. much sense. And, but carry that then into queer literature, queer film. Like that's the same charge you get in Carol when she brushes Rooney Mara's shoulder at the piano and, and you see Rooney Mara's entire body shudder, you know, and that's, it's just something that, that, that visual language and that those coded gestures communicate something so specific and so powerful to a queer audience. Oh, totally. Um, So that, I think that's where part of it comes from for me. I, but I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Mm. Jeez. Yeah. 
Yeah, this this story is just. It, I'm I'm glad that there are so many adaptations. I can't wait for the next one. Oh, this was another thing you and I were talking about. Is um, who is your either 2020 and beyond um, casting for Jane and Rochester? Okay, so I have I have a few answers for this. Tell me. I don't really think we have a great Rochester right now. Not in the way that like when Michael Fassbender was at the, his prime in 2011, you're like, oh, but we got to get him as Rochester. Right. There's no one who really reads that way to me right now. I was thinking maybe like Chua Talegiofor, I think could do a really great job. Oh, yeah. Um, also, for my Jane... I feel like Florence Pugh could do a great job at it. Mm-hmm. I think she is similar to Ruth Wilson is maybe a little too interesting looking. And like um, pretty intense. She's super intense, but I think that's kind of what I would be curious to see. But really, like, honestly, my answer is Sir Ronan and Kate Winslet. And, and that movie is made. And we're getting it's, it. You've, you've already, you've already gotten it. It exists. It's happening. It exists. Kate Winslet is a, salty seaside fossil butch is that a is that a category <laughs> a little fossil lesbians are a little Hashtag represented uh... fossil butch <laughs> oh my god i've watched that trailer like 300 times and then you got little sir Sher- i do think sir Sherwin would be a great jane Eyre. um but i honestly think her rochester would have to be kate winslet Right, one million percent. Um, yeah, I'm gonna see God. Ammonite five hundred times. I can't wait to see it with you. Um, oh my God! Yeah, I do. I I love Sersha. She's in too much everything right now. Oh yeah, it's too late for her to do it. And it's yeah. Um, I said to you, so it's so it's so sad. We literally just what yesterday or the night the night before. I found out like midnight. Um, that we lost Chadwick Boseman. And I had just been talking to my boyfriend about who I would want to see, you know, if they do another remake, like in the next two to three years. Um, I said, Millie Bobby Brown is 16 now. I would love to see an 18 or 19 year old Millie Bobby Brown do a version of this with Chadwick Boseman. Mm. Um, That that would just be amazing. Mm. Um, But he's sadly passed away which really fucking sucks huge loss um yeah but i'm trying to think of like anybody else i would really really want to see but yeah i don't think we have we don't like have them the way we did in 2011 no like to me that was like you hit this exactly the right moment oh with with mia and fassbender the ages were right oh yeah their fame level was right. That was just a really perfectly timed adaptation. Well, and it's, and the age thing adds to the, both the attraction and the tension. Like that sort of, for me is like part of it. Like I feel like I'm all, you know, I'm almost at the point where I've been both of these people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, being like being like an eighteen-year-old gay, you kind of want like a thirty-five-year-old, hot, tortured man to like teach you what love is. <laughs> like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Totally. Yeah. No, and that's so common in, um, well, to a certain extent in reality, but mm. also in gay narratives. 
yeah, you these... often see a large age gap. Well, like Ammonite's perfect example. Like there is a 20 year age difference between Sir Ronan and, and Kate Winslet. Yeah. Yeah, these nice uh, May-December relationships. Oh. So, I don't know. I'd say everybody go out and find these all of these adaptations. Find all of them. So, I will say this in terms of where to find them. You can find this adaptation on Hulu, HBO Max, and Amazon. And then you can, like, purchase it on iTunes probably. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Totally. And the DVD. Um, but yeah, Hulu, HBO Max, and Amazon. HBO Max also currently has the 2011 adaptation with Mia Vashkovska and Michael Fassbender. So, Have I been saying uh, her name incorrectly this whole time? The W's are pronounced like B's. Like these? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Tight. Great. Um, <laughs> but like, who cares? Um, well, she probably does, but... <laughs> It's that's a thing. Honestly, that's a thing I only like learned recently from watching an interview with her. Oh my gosh, how funny! Okay, tight. But um, but yeah, that version is on HBO Max. So mm-hmm. watch both of them. And the uh, the uh, ninety six Charlotte Gainsbourg one is on um, is included with Prime. So it's it, definitely watch. Oh, tight! Them. It's it's so it's so good. The music is beautiful. The the costuming and everything is beautiful. Oh, and another thing that I wanted to mention is that this adaptation, the 2006 stays in the, um, the 1830 business, like when it is set in the book. And I feel like every other successful adaptation pushes it forward a titch. So you don't quite get these like huge bulky sleeves and like poofy, dresses you get yeah. more of like a simplified version of that like a yeah like a more like 18 late 1840s uh 1850s sure. vibe um mm-hmm. and like for the charlotte one that's very true like she's her dresses are like very very simple and i know that mm. they did that for the 2011 one they pushed they pushed everything like a decade ahead yeah um yeah. which i i i genuinely do think that that's the right choice um yeah. But then keeping, you know, if you if you want to keep um, Blanche Ingram and her family a little bit more traditional and poofy and uh, mm-hmm. adorned. And like, I know that they did that for uh, Sally Hawkins in the 2011 version. They, yeah, they had her styled like a decade behind to yeah. show her kind of like the fact that she's like part of this rich old family. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I, I noticed that it felt different in the 2011 one, but I didn't know that that's what I was responding to. So that, thank you for that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So shockingly, this, that's mean to say, but this was nominated for awards. (laughs) So, uh, quickly give that rundown. This was nominated for nine Emmys. Wow. And it won three. Uh, it won for art direction, costumes, and hair. Oh, boy. Yeah. But also, think 2006 was sort of a... That was sort of the wasteland of really great limited series. That was the... the 
that window of time between Band of Brothers and John Adams, where HBO wasn't really putting out a lot of stuff. It was a lot of TV mm-hmm. movies. Like if you look at back at that, at those categories for limited series or TV movie Emmy, which are always, that's always a combined category. It's mostly TV movies. Totally. Yeah. Um, it won. It had one Golden Globe nomination. For, Ruth Wilson was nominated for Best Actress, um, and it was nominated for four BAFTAs. And it got one for makeup and hair. And then it did, it did win. It won three Emmys. Yes. Yes. Art direction, costumes and hair. Okay. There you go. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Who to thunk, which like, to me, it's such an injustice because then the 2011 one got one Oscar nomination. They must have really just not, cause it was, I mean, it was focused features. Like they must yeah. just have not, pushed it enough or like they must not i'd be curious they didn't campaign hard enough for it right i'd be curious what else focus features had that year that i'm forgetting that they needed to campaign harder for that's really interesting um yeah i'd have to look that up was that the same year as shame because if that's the case then they're like that's the better fast bender horse to to bet on oh yeah well and he was that year alone, in 2011 alone, he was nominated for four movies at the LA Film Critics Association Awards. Like, wow. And National Board of Review. Like, literally. Oh, yeah. So 2011, yes. That was the same year as Shame. Yeah. And A Dangerous Method. And wow, he was in fucking everything that year. You said it. They they literally were like, oh, this is the year we have to do this. So yeah. I think it just got swept under the rug. And like, hopefully yeah. people are finding it. You know, it got a costume nod at the uh, Oscars. That's that's basically it. Costume at BAFTA. Um, yeah. But um, maybe this is just going to be one of those gems that people people adore you know, after the fact. Yeah, I think it'll be looked back on as as a one of, if not the definitive adaptation. And the twenty eleven one. It's the be- I mean, it's the best one that I've seen. Yeah, and I do think that the Jane Eyre one. The thing that I sort of associate with BBC period uh, miniseries, especially ones that are long and you know take up a whole day, basically, are. Um, staying home from school like being sick and like mm. sipping soup and watching um mm. like pride and prejudice like like there's nothing more comforting no so i think that- that's like i watched the 2005 pride and prejudice the night before the sats to calm myself down is that wait which one is, is that the the Kira Kira? one yeah it's yeah Oh my god, there are a few things that I like visual better than Valium that. to me. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's the, so the sound, the whole sk- soundscape is perfect. <laughs> Every single costume. And again, trimming yeah. the fat of like, we don't need these extraneous characters. We don't need to know like Mr. R- uh, Darcy's like other sister. And like, like who cares? Yeah. It's the point. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll get to Pride and Prejudice in its own time. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to round this out, next up, we are heading over to Amazon Prime <laughs> for 
for the Matthew Weiner for Matthew Weiner's follow up to Mad Men. <laughs> it will be the 2018 miniseries, The Romanoffs. So, the premise for that is that it's so. This is one I haven't seen. I have not seen it either. Oh my I'll God. be honest. I tried to once and I couldn't get through 10 minutes of it. So oh, we're going to no. see how it goes. Okay. So this but, is the first one we've done. That is, it's not based on anything. It's an no. original work. Yep. Um, is the premise and it's, and it's the only one that neither of us have seen. Correct. Um, is the premise that these are the, uh, offspring of the royal the russian royal family they believe that they are the (sighs) the sort of conceit of the show is that each episode follows a different person they're all self-contained episodes and self-contained stories oh interesting and they each center on a person who is staking the claim that they are descendants of the robinov dynasty so and it's spelled OFF instead of OV. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Tight. It's got a, quite a cast. That's what I can can tell. That's yeah. like crazy. So I'm very curious. And is it? It was how um, I feel about it. It was supposed to be more than one season, right? I think so. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm going by the fact that it was nominated in um, miniseries, the miniseries category. Oh, okay. Tight. So that's where we're heading next. I'm ready. And uh, Carl, you want to let everyone know where they can find us in the meantime? Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to Broadcast Revisited. You can find us on Spotify, Spotify podcasts, the Anchor app, uh, google podcasts you can follow us on twitter you can follow us on facebook you can follow us on instagram for twitter no for facebook and instagram it's just at broadcast revisited uh for twitter it is at bcast revisited capital Mm -hmm. you know letter b and then cast revisited um correct are we on any of the other socials I think this is pretty... Those are the big ones. Yeah, these are the big ones. Um, You can always listen to episodes one, uh, John Adams, episode two, Fosse Verdon. They are here forever. You can listen to them as many times as you want for free on any of those uh, streaming services. Yeah. Yeah. We try to make it super accessible for you so you can like become a fan and then, you know, show interest. Yeah, love that. Yay. Love interest. I love interest. Until next time. Yes, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for listening, and uh, go watch your favorite Jane Eyre tonight. (gasps) 